All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast. We're back at it again with part two of The Dark Knight. This will be episode 29. You can find it at actualanarchy.com slash 29. And coming back is our guest, Shaheen, from last week. Uh, But first, let's say hello to Robert and do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we'll bring our guest back on. Hello, Robert. How you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Thanks, buddy. You're the best. I know. Hey, Dan. How's it going, man? Going well. Speaking of Roberts, I just added a bunch of Robert Highland quotes to our site at actualanarchy.com slash quotes, and they are super good. So They are good? What's one of them? What's your favorite check, one? Do check those ones out. Well, there was one we were talking about pre-show, which is there's nothing in this world so permanent as a temporary emergency. And you see this all the time with governments saying that they need this extra power, this extra authority, or this extra program just in, in the short term. Uh, but, of course, those temporary emergencies become permanent. And I think Hazlitt says, uh, and Shaheen can correct me on this one when, you, when we bring him back on, but there's nothing uh, so permanent as a temporary government program, I think was the Hazlitt quote. Yeah, because you got people who get hired on to do this new thing, and then they're not just going to stick around and be, oh, I guess I'm done with my job. No, they're going to find a reason to either fail at their job or some kind of reason to justify their job or get hired on in another department, and it's just on and on it goes, baby. That's right, baby. And speaking of babies, let's bring on Shaheen. He's a young man from Adelaide, Australia. He is a second-time guest, but still talking about the first movie. It's The Dark Knight, The Batman with Heath Ledger and um, Christian Bale. And this is all brought about because Adam West, who did the campy 60s Batman, died uh, last week or a week and a half ago now. So we're jumping on those coattails. We've been planning on doing a Batman episode for a while now anyway, and now is as good a time as any. So welcome back to the show, Shaheen. Why don't you reintroduce yourself to the uh, to the audience and correct me on my Hazlitt. Oh, hey, it's good to be back. And to be, to be honest, I'm not actually too sure. I think that's the card. I'm not even 100% sure if it's from Hazlitt or Milton Friedman. It's either or. Good enough for this show. <laughs> So uh, tell us uh, uh, how you've been the last week or so, um, and, and how yeah, can people get a hold good. of you if if, if, uh, if you're open to that? Are you open to people tweeting at you and whatnot? Uh, sure, go ahead. Uh, well, the, for the past week, I've just been having exams at university, at my communist university, and uh, I've just been super busy with that. I've, like After this, I'm going to go study some more, but don't worry, I can just stay. I can just cram it all in the night before. I always do that. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind people just finding me on Twitter. That's, that's pretty much my only ANCAP platform because, yeah. For now, for now. I'm, yeah, I'm going to get you now. writing for us, though. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I actually thought of a couple of articles. I would have written them if it wasn't for, the, for my exams. I, they're, they're still in my head. So speaking, speaking of that, are you 
are you enjoying the regurgitation, uh, you know, memorization regurgitation format? Do you feel like you're actually learning something, or? Um, I think I'm learning because I've always been the kind of I wouldn't like a course unless I'd learn it or unless yeah. I could just understand how it works, which is why I usually do maths and physics and just engineering type of uh, types of um, courses. Like, I didn't really enjoy chemistry too much because it was there was too much memorization. Yeah, I just always preferred maths and physics. Well, because you're actually going to go into a STEM field where you're going to be using this stuff on a daily basis, right? Because, I mean, yeah. the math and science that I learned in school is pretty much all out the window at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think school's mostly pointless. Most people would just be better off not even going. Yeah, unless you're using it for a specific purpose. Yeah. It, it, a lot of the general knowledge gets mm. lost. Yeah, I, I think I would have been much uh, far better off if I just did a Ron Paul homeschool instead of going to school here or in Iran. Right. Yeah, that's our plan for our kids is to do the homeschooling and, and most likely that Ron Paul program. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tom Woods has a has a link to that that I think yeah. is Tom or is ronpaulhomeschool.com and you get some extra bonuses if you sign up through him. We're not mm -hmm. quite ready for it just yet. We've They just turned four and then... The youngest is turning two next week. Okay. Well, happy birthday. All right, I'm going to play this for them. They can hear yeah, this. Very nice. Oh, thank you. All good. You know, what, what time does school start? Like, how old does someone have to be? Six or seven? I think I started when I was six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's about right. Could you? 18, there's right. 12 years plus kindergarten, so that's, mm -hmm. that's like five or six, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, segregated by uh, size and shape and common age I mean mm -hmm. what's not to like yeah yeah it was school was awkward uh, I'm so glad I finished high school oh god <laughs> I just like towards the end I'd reached a stage where I was just bludging every single lesson with every single one of my teachers I'd maxed out on my excuses and they were all starting to get really angry with me I had I delayed every single assignment. I uh, didn't fully study for any test because it's just—it was just so tedious. The schoolwork. Mm. And did you already been accepted to your university? Or? Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I still did okay. I started at my own pace. Uh, and were you saying bludging? Because that's that's kind of awesome. Oh yeah. Is that a term used in the U.S. as well? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, we have a bludgeon, which is like a an object that you would use to beat something with. <laughs> well, bludging here means, well, to bludge is the um, word, is the verb. When I, when I say I'm bludging, it means I'm skipping classes, means I'm running away. Okay. Does it mean like uh, screwing off or fucking off, like just kind of doing your own uh, thing, blow it off? Kind of deal? Not really. When, when someone says they're bludging, it pretty much means that they're skipping school. Like if, if, if there's one thing I could equate it to is just skipping school. Or skipping a class. Okay, so we used to say playing hooky. Is that are you familiar with that term? Playing hooky. No, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, that that specifically means skipping school. Yeah, I don't know why it means that, but we're we're learning new stuff on this episode, <laughs> talking about the school. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get back to uh, our movie, shall we? We got about halfway through last time. Um, I believe the last scene we had gotten to was the press conference where the Batman was about to reveal himself to stop the Joker from killing a bunch of these um, copy bats because he had been killing people uh, until Batman unmasked. 
Do we want to talk about that scene at all or just move right into Dent says he's the Batman, they arrest him, and they're going to transfer him to the, uh, what is it, the county county jail, and there's mm-hmm. this escort with a SWAT team and a bunch of other police vehicles and a helicopter, and, of course, the Joker intervenes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so this is all a big trap, trap for the Joker, right? Or or was it? Did Do you think Dent was aware of this being sent, set up? Because, or, or was he? Because I think Dent knew that something fraud. would happen. Because then afterwards he says, I trusted Batman to save my ass. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Joker he knew something would have happened. Yeah, he, he knew that the Joker had put him as the next one to be killed. Hmm. And so he knew that he'd come after him. Okay. But, of course, what he didn't know, plot twist, is the Joker wanted to be caught. Yeah, Yeah, for somebody who says he's not a planner or a schemer, he sure does have an amazing scheme and plan going out through this whole movie. Mm. It's very, very intricate. It's kind of ridiculous, but... I mean, whatever, it's a movie. Yeah, so one of the points I wanted to bring up during this whole scene, and he is a big schemer, which maybe is a bit ironic when he has the uh, bedside chat with Harvey later and says that everyone's a schemer but him. But uh, this goes back to when Batman is, like, trying to catch up to the convoy, and he's, like, shooting cars to get them out of his way, like shooting them with missiles, and there's this little micro scene of these kids in, in a parked car, like, making finger guns, like, bing, 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 and then real explosions start to happen. You know, and, of course, it's Batman, like, clearing a path. Mm-hmm. And it just shows me, again, that there could be people in any of these vehicles, and Batman's just indiscriminately blowing them up. So for a guy who says that he doesn't like guns and he's not going to take a life, in fact, that's a huge um, point in the movie, that the Joker wants the Batman to break his his moral code, his one prime directive of not killing. And, you know, he, he welcomes Batman to kill him, the Joker. But he knows that he won't do it because he's quote-unquote principled, but he's just willy-nilly out shooting missiles at cars just to clear a path. And in our pre-show, we were talking about how, you know, Hitler was terrible because he mixed intent and racism with murder, whereas Stalin and Lenin and Mao and all these other uh, people who have similar kill counts um, didn't target anyone uh, directly. It wasn't a race thing or, or whatever, so it was just indiscriminate killing, and that was sort of okay now with uh, leftists. Like, they're not so concerned about that. I'm drawing a very <laughs> very long thread to connect these two things, but do um, you guys have any points what, on that? Uh, what I always thought of that scene was that the car where the kids are in is in the traffic, and the other cars were just parked on the side. So... I was I always thought that Batman just knew that they they were empty. Yeah, I could see that would be like the director's excuse is that Batman has the mm-hmm. technology and he knows and blah blah blah. But he mm-hmm. still doesn't care about like property. The private property. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it reminds me of like a cop mm-hmm. who will <laughs> Knock call up like shit. ten other cops and they'll chase after some guy who makes an illegal left hand turn or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And he'll break, like, 20 traffic laws and drive recklessly yeah. and whatever to try and catch that person. I mean, it is, it, yeah, it, 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 I mean, in comic book movies and in traditional comic books, they're notorious for not giving a shit about 
property damage at all. There are even joke um, comic books like called Damage Incorporated, and there's another one for DC who come in and repair all the damage that the superheroes do when they're fighting their big criminals and whatnot. Um, very few. I mean, we had a we had a, we did a show for the Voluntarius comic. And it was refreshing to hear that um, the voluntarist superhero makes a point and cares about the property damage because mm. it takes time and it takes money. Mm. And that is the universal currency of humanity. Mm-hmm. So when you are destroying uh, someone's property, you are right. messing well, with their livelihood and their life. But I thought that destruction was good for the economy. <laughs> Broken window, sir. Uh, yes, it's exactly. super great. I mean, Paul Krugman told me this. I don't know. He's a genius behind Greece and the European Union, so he he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's here an we award-winning are, economist, sir. Here we are communicating via fax, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I just hope that Bruce Wayne has a charity that pays for all the damage that he did. It wouldn't cost him that much. I mean, it's just a couple of exploded cars and a couple of broken windows and things. You know, that's a good point. Though. I want to chase chase on this one because he's running Wayne Enterprises, right? He's this big. Um, capitalist, mm-hmm. probably providing a lot of jobs, right, but probably providing a lot of jobs and a lot of benefit. Um, that's what companies do when, you know, you're, you're getting a job, you're trading your time for uh, something that you prefer more, which is money and you can buy it with the necessities of life. And mm-hmm. so you could argue that he's already doing a whole lot of quote unquote social good. And he does have a charity. I mean, in in Dark Knight Rises, it's revealed that he, he uh, funds an orphanage. Mm. Uh, like, like Wayne Enterprises, like a lot of the profits go towards a um, an orphanage. Mm. Okay, yeah. So like he's he's a decent guy all around. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and in the comics too, Bruce Wayne's just notorious for being a philanthropist, just donating here and here. So I'd assume he'd try to at least um, have a charity for the property he damages. Oh, maybe he just really doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not explicitly stated, so we're free to you know talk mm. about the morality of it. But we'd like to think that he probably does care, and that he's just so focused on getting stopping a greater problem mm-hmm. of the Joker. Yeah, he's just willing to make the sacrifice. Right, he's willing to pay those costs. Yeah. Now we mentioned that the the cars were likely parked and, and unoccupied but what about when he's on the bat bike and he's driving through the mall i mean people have to like run to get out of the way mm. so they could have easily gotten maimed right under those big fat <laughs> tires yeah oh yeah well he he's famous for killing all kinds of people in other movies not so much this movie but other movies he's he's absolutely murdered many many people when he's famous mm-hmm. in comic books for never doing it. But it ha- he has to not kill anybody in this movie because that's what the whole movie is about. Uh, when you say Batman's killed in the other movies, which movies do you mean? Do you mean the Tim Burton ones with Michael Keaton? I think he... Uh, yeah, I remember killing Tim a couple people there. In the, I'm sorry, what? I, I remember him killing, like, throwing a guy off the, um, the bell tower or putting dynamite in someone's pants. Uh, oh, yeah. He definitely yeah, he murdered a bunch of people in Batman 89, and he also killed a few people in uh, Batman vs. Superman. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, with the whole, uh, the whole Batmobile chase scene. Exactly, yeah, he, like, attaches a hook to a car, and he pulls <laughs> it around after him when he gets flattened and all kinds of stuff, yeah. He definitely murders a bunch of people. 
to, to his defense, they were shooting at him, so he had every right to defend himself. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But his big role, his big rule, is to not never kill, mm. even in self-defense, because he's mm-hmm. Batman and he doesn't have to, mm. right? Because he's so good, he has so <laughs> many toys and whatever, he doesn't have to do it. Yeah. Whereas I give him a pass on self-defense, but he doesn't mm-hmm. do it for himself. Uh, to be honest, I'll, it was kind of refreshing to see Batman going back to killing in BVS. Oh yeah. I, mean, I just so what think did you? Uh, I oh, don't think of it as ruining Batman. I just think of it as a different version of Batman because there are some comics, uh, like an alternate, like alternate dimension comics in the DC multiverse, where there's Batman, there's different Batmans who do kill. Mm-hmm, so it sure. was an interesting take. Yeah, I don't mind it when a director, especially if I enjoy the director, mm-hmm. takes a has, you, you know has a take on a character where like mm-hmm. this is a whole new universe. This is the Batman that exists in my universe, and this is what Batman is like and what he does in this universe. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. as, as long as people, you know, or the fans are like, well, that's not really my Batman. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, it wasn't necessarily intended. It's, this is this director's Batman. Um, it doesn't necessarily work for me, like in, say, Man of Steel, when Superman, like, flattens half of Metropolis, and you're like, well, Superman. <laughs> the Superman I know would never do that. That is just so antithetical to what I know of Superman to be. And then I have issues with that. But, you know, um, mm. we're talking about Batman. doesn't matter. So what's, what's, uh, let's, let's move on to the next scene. Okay, what, what happens? There? The, the truck scene. I just have a note written down for the truck that it's a Muslim driver. Like, Joker's a Muslim in that scene. I mean, in the, in the, when he's driving the semi-truck? Yeah, yeah. Because he's just trying to... Um, rambled into people and everything. I mean, Muslims are also notorious now for um, using trucks to ram into people, so... <laughs> oh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah, that has but, been in the news lately. So are you talking about the semi-truck or the garbage truck or uh, the personal... I'm talking about the scene where Batman um, uses the, uh, the, bat, the bat pod, the bike, um, shoots the um, the wires into the into the semi truck and then just hits into the ground. Makes it oh, clear. Oh right, right, yeah. That's like and, the iconic scene I, re- I remember from this, um, mm. from you know back when I first saw it. Yeah, I mean that that should be a weapon everyone should have. We should have recreational nukes and um, bat bikes. Yeah. What's wrong with that? We need to have that. <laughs> yeah. So what was cool was he showed all this skill in being able to, to do that, like go under the tires and then uh, wrap it around the light poles and, and everything like that. And then the thing flips over, Joker gets out and he's like, come on, come on, you know, do it, do it, kill me. And Batman's bearing down on him, but then he pulls this totally weak move to avoid killing the Joker and just lays there prone on the ground, like passed out. And the Joker's about to kill him, but then... Um, Gordon comes out. Yeah, Gordon comes up and puts gun on him and, and arrests Joker. But it just seemed really weird that Batman could fall off a building after um, Rachel and land without getting killed. Uh, he can do all this like acrobatic type stuff, especially later in the film when he's in that um, not quite completed building. So he's like jumping up and down mm-hmm. the elevator shaft and all of these things. But just avoiding killing the Joker with the bat bike, he's gonna you know go ass over tea kettle and. Crack his skull. Get knocked I don't, out. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it seems like a thing that had to happen for the script. It didn't yeah. make any sense for his power set 
but that happens a lot in movies, superhero movies, where all of a sudden the, the superhero is super strong, and then the next minute he's not because the plot needs it to be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dan. Yeah, it just seems like kind of kind of cheap. But uh, anyway, moving on from there, so they um, send Harvey in um, a police escort back to wherever, and Rachel similar. And they have the Joker now in prison, thinking that they've accomplished this great feat. Uh, is there any any points you guys want to make in this area? Uh, yeah, and they were, they're talking. I don't necessarily have points, but I mean, we're talking about the interrogation scene where Batman starts assaulting Joker. Is he justified in doing so? That sort of thing, because Joker wants to find out where Rachel and Harvey are, and Joker's like, their morals, their code is a bad joke. Dropped it the first sign of trouble. And that's that's uh, that's true of pretty much anybody. I, I think most people, especially politicians and that sort of thing, uh-huh, think yeah. having a having a, a morality, but it it really is absolutely dropped at the drop of a hat. I mean, it's only they only have it when it suits them. Like we need to go in and save the poor uh, Kuwaitis, and we need to do this and that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a huge joke where they, mm. they they pay lip service to morality. Something that I it came to my mind during that scene was I thought if Batman is an ANCAP, then Joker would be an anarcho-communist who says, like, you're a freak like me. We're just ahead of the curve. Except Joker's the chaotic, murderous freak. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good, actually, yeah. He's very and when they like say um, all these other people are, you know, you know, I forgot what he said about everyone else, but they're just the status, and they would go, they would drop drop uh, their morals and support some politician at the drop of a hat. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I thought would have happened, while uh, Batman would have just stayed um, loyal to his morals no matter what. Right, yeah, and this movie is all about Joker trying to get Batman to give up on his one rule about not killing people, where he wants to fight so hard to mm-hmm. keep that rule. Um, yeah, uh, I like how, I mean, the Joker is really all about exposing people for being uncivilized, because he says, like, you know, when the chips are down, these civilized people will eat each other. And uh, I'm reminded of, uh, what's the saying? I think we're only, like, 14 days away from cannibalism or something like that. I think they say nine nine meals. Nine meals. Nine meals? Yeah. That's even worse. (laughs) Okay. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, if if there was some massive disruption, you know, in in all the post-apocalyptic type movies and entertainment you know really play off of this like especially like the road and other things like that but how far away i mean the thin veneer of society how paper thin it is and if you just need a little push and then all of a sudden we'll be eating each other um it's kind of a knock against anarchy in a way Mm. but i mean as we've pointed out numerous times on this show we essentially live most of the time in anarchy and it's actually quite quite strong um, but mm-hmm. it's fun to watch entertainment. I don't know how accurate it is. Daniel, do you have any thoughts on how accurate, uh, like post-apocalyptic? I mean, we did a Mad Max episode, but we haven't necessarily done a post-apocalyptic uh, thin veneer of society episode in general. Do you have thoughts on um, how realistic those things are? Do you think we'd really be eating each other if the trucks, you know, without nine meals later? Well, I just looked it up real quickly, and the quote is actually from 1906 by Alfred Henry Lewis, who stated, quote, there are only nine meals between mankind and anarchy. 
And I think they mean, of course, the chaotic anarchy, the breakdown of of society. Because mm. uh, I, I was going to say, let's just let's starve everyone for nine meals and we can have anarchy. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's get on with it. Yeah, that, I don't think it's like a scientific uh, study. I think it's more of a quip type thing. It, it would probably take longer, I would imagine, but um, it, it is a misrepresentation of, of what anarchy is. Um, I think that there is an older saying saying that no man is farther than nine meals away from revolution, so that one might might be huh. more in line with what uh, you have in mind, Shaheen, like we're actually evolving, having a revolution beyond the current status paradigm. <laughs> but yeah, we could do uh, another post-apocalyptic movie. We've got a, a big old list of movies to do at some point, so I'm sure we'll we'll hit one of those at some venture down the road, and, and maybe it'll even be the road. Who knows? Yeah, I know. I know somebody wants us to do uh, what is that? The Purge, but that's not exactly the same. But it is like the one day you don't have government rules, and so you're going to go out and kill everybody. Mm. Yeah, and it also misre- misrepresents anarchy. Mm. It just yeah, says no rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah, chaotic anarchy. Right, yeah, so there's this quote from the Joker in that scene where he says the only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. So that's mm-hmm. very much a, a nihilistic, chaotic perspective. Um, mm-hmm. As ANCAP, I tend to believe that there's really only one rule, I mean two rules essentially, which is baked in. Non-aggression the, principle. Non-aggression and private property rights, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, the, the kind of the world Joker is 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 talking about here. I mean, what would it even look like? Would it just be this massive dog eat dog? I think it'll just be do whatever you want, no rules at all. So I mean, would the murder rate go up? (laughs) I think there'd be nothing but murder. I think we'd go back to being very very primitive, and the population would shrink significantly. you know, because what would you eat, right? What would you cultivate? Who would be able to save any capital? Who would, who would make a coat factory to make coats, especially <laughs> in the winter down there in Australia? Like none of those things would be able to happen if it was all. I've still got this coat. <laughs> for now, for now, you're nine meals away from not having that coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, without private property, you'd be like what huddling in caves and. Camping in the forest or something? I mean, well, yeah, but it wouldn't be your cave. It would just be a cave. This sounds a lot right. like anarcho-primitivism. Primitivism. What is it? It's like the the black and green flag. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just yeah. They stupid. think what, yeah. Oh, it's it's real bad. It's like all <laughs> the the benefits. You know, they usually come up with these things and they type it out on their computers and then they upload it to the internet. <laughs> and talk about it's like okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, go back to go back to nature. That's the way to do it. And yeah, right. all these other anarchy groups are just so stupid. I mean, anarcho-communists and <laughs> and they, they believe that some they, they can be a, a sort of way to centrally plan without a state. And then they say anarcho-capitalism needs a state for private property rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. Real mm. bad. They're the ones that are oppressed by nature, and that everybody, okay. if you don't want to, if you don't want to hang out with them, if you don't, if you don't want to associate with them, you're oppressing them somehow. 
Mm-hmm. They, well, they, they feel like they're being forced to participate in the market because oh, yeah. of scarcity. The, the, the same way a lion is enslaved when he has to hunt. Yep, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Well, right. but those you know those gazelles exist. Somebody should you know hunt those gazelles for him and provide it for him. Mm. Some reason we don't know why, but just for some reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. The giraffe doesn't need the long neck. It should just be able to lay down on the ground and have the the cud fed to it from the leaves. Right. <laughs> uh, I saw a post once about a bunch of anarcho-communists um, showing a post or a video about someone who made an entire city on Minecraft, recreated an entire city. You know what Minecraft is, the uh, building game. Yeah, I've seen some crazy, some crazy shit. Uh, and then they said, this is proof. Spend, like, years to make. Yeah, they said, this is proof that people don't need to get paid to work. They literally equate playing a video game to real <laughs> life and real work. Uh. That's hilarious. <laughs> That they, 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 yeah, that's a funny thing that the, the ancoms they don't realize that people do get paid. Whether you, I mean, you're essentially profiting from everything you do. Whether I mean, if it's as long as your 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 action is voluntary, you are receiving some sort of benefit. Like right now, I'm not actually getting paid physical money, or anything. But you're getting paid in your freedom, right not being at work. Sure, and or I'm pay, getting paid in the knowledge or the uh, the good conversation or whatever. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, I'm getting paid all kinds of different ways. But it's for some reason the the incomes they think of one form of payment as immoral and another form of payment is perfectly fine, or they just don't recognize it as payment. I I don't really understand what they believe. Who knows? <clears throat> but let's uh, let's move on. Move on to the Daniel. next spot. Well, yeah. I think they'll have us read the conquest of bread, and then we'll get it. Oh yeah. Then yeah. we'll understand it. Then we'll understand it. So, so everyone, go to theconquestofbread.com or conquestofbread.com, and you'll learn all about it. Sounds good. Do wink, that. wink, winky face. <laughs> all so, right. So, um, Joker is getting beat up, and Batman's beating the crap out of him. And Joker says that there's only enough time to save one of them, um, and he tells he lies to Batman. Doesn't he lie to Batman and says that Rachel is in one place yeah. and then Dent's in the other? So Joker or he Batman thinks he's going up to save Rachel, but he actually goes and saves Dent instead. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, was that a choice all... that Bat- was that a choice Batman made, or was that the Joker deceiving him? Uh, the Joker deceived him. Uh, Batman said that he was going to go after Rachel. Right. That's what I. The that's Joker what I gave him the wrong address. Yeah. Yeah, and this plays back to our previous episode where we had the. You know, gun to your family's head, and you're supposed to negotiate with the guy breaking into your your building, right? Into your house. <laughs> like you already know, you can't trust the Joker, right? So why would you believe any negotiation that you're going to make with him? And this ties back to the argument we were talking about earlier, where you were saying um, lesser of two evils is sometimes the option, like between Hillary <laughs> and Trump, the Walter Block argument. To which I say, <laughs> political campaign promises are lies. So. If Daddy A says they're going to, you know, beat you five times and Daddy B says, well, I was going to do it ten times, you, you don't know which one would have done what anyway because they're never going to go with their campaign mm. promise. True, true. You can't – there's no there's any, no kind of uh, accountability ever held to these monsters. So, yeah, and, uh-huh. and I think the Joker, he's he lies like all the time. In fact, maybe maybe he lies more than I am – realizing upon viewing it 
because he tells his getting the scar story two or three times differently each time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He goes to Harvey Dent's bedside after this um, explosion thing happens that we were just talking about and is like, all of you are schemers and have plans. I don't have any plans. I just do things. I'm like a wild rabbit dog. Another lie. He has the most intricately thought out plans. Everything's in place. Like how the hell did he know which street to have his goons on for the helicopter to get ensnared in their lines? You know what I mean? Or to have the telephone inside the guy's stomach. Which, about that guy, uh, I thought like he was saying, oh, the guy said he'd make the voices disappear. He, he said he'll replace everything with dark, with, um, with happiness. And You remember that guy? Yeah, with yeah, light. Pretty light guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah, light. I thought of him as a Bernie Sanders supporter. <laughs> like, like, oh, Bernie's going to come save everyone. <laughs> he made all these promises. <laughs> I guess he felt yeah, the burn. Yeah, he felt the burn <laughs> from his uh, his Obama burner phone. Uh, yeah. Uh, took it too far. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, and speaking of Batman being an ANCAP, he does fly the uh, black and gold. So I just put my bat sock up here that mm-hmm. has it. So our Patreon subscribers, go to patreon.com slash Rothbard. And you can pay a little bit of money and see this beautiful, beautiful article of clothing that's on my microphone, as well as my new black and gold mic. And you can see our guest, who is looking very great. Do do you guys use the term jumper? Oh, yeah. Sweater? Yeah. He's looking pretty suave in his jumper. (laughs) We don't use the word suave, though. Oh. Well, you're learning stuff from us, too. All the time. All right. So Joker breaks out of prison. Uh, Rachel blows up. Dent gets disfigured, and, and where do we go? There was that? a scene in the talk that Bruce had with Alfred afterwards, is one note I took, is like if you remember, the, he, they talked about a, a, a guy in Burma in the forest who stole the, um, the jewels yep. when the Alfred said, and then the uh, Alfred right, says... And like for no reason, right? Yeah, and then Bruce asked him, did you ever find that guy? And he says, yeah, says, how'd you do it? Says, we burnt the forest down. I just thought that just showed... Sometimes you have to take completely drastic measures and just do do something really crazy in order to and like something really extreme in order to defeat someone or to to do something. Right, and that's yeah, totally... kind of weird. I, I, sorry, but for me, this it seemed like Christopher Nolan was writing a weird Batman because all of a sudden Batman's having trouble finding the Joker, this guy that is broadcasting on TV. He's doing all this crap all throughout the city. And for some reason, the Batman, who's like the greatest detective, that's one thing that is over and over again, the Batman is the greatest Mm. detective in the world. And he just can't find the Joker for some reason. It it makes zero to little sense. But I understand how, I mean, it it works sense for the plot. But for me, all of a sudden, Batman's just this guy who's a moron and doesn't have all his like low life flunkies that he could like get information out of or all this high-tech stuff that he can use to find the guy. I mean, later on in the movie, he uses this cell phone thing where he turns the entire city into this NSA light kind of spying I situation. think that was that's the whole thing uh, that's comparable to burning the whole forest down. The NSA situation? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like um, dropping a... Uh, he's foreshadowing that. Like, he's, he's yeah. saying that... Because Alfred burned the forest down, which is not a, it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth, but he did it to accomplish his goal, and it was a very drastic step, like Shaheen was saying, then that sort of justifies in the mind of the audience 
using his NSA surveillance thing uh, later on because he's compromising his principles. And even Lucius Fox is like, you know, I'm not going to... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to work for you anymore if if you're going to do this kind of thing. And Batman says, well, it's just this one time. Just this one time we'll do it because the Joker's that bad. But mm. like we just said earlier with the, um, you know, any yeah. emergency, temporary emergency is always a yeah. forever yeah. emergency. But what to Batman's to defense, he does actually get rid of it at the end. Right, but, but what about the next big thing, right? It doesn't need yeah. to be the Joker. What if it's Bane or yeah, that, that Penguin or Catwoman or whoever, you know? Yeah, it does happen with Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, yeah, so... And the, yeah, and they have no way of um, uh, tracking it down, so they use other methods to try to um, prevent it. Yeah, I see this movie as really a, a sign of the times where, like, Nolan was inspired by the headlines of the day. Like, this is around the time when all this domestic spying was really coming out, and he was... I don't know if he was trying to justify it or he just thought it was a good idea for the Batman to use these measures and kind of justify it. Is that true, though? I thought Snowden was like 2013, wasn't it? And this is this is 2007. They're making this thing, probably writing it in 2003, 4, 5. Yeah, but th- those headlines are way late. Snowden came out, and that was like old news when he came out. Well, to for, me, it was. Yeah. For anyone who listened to Al- Alex Jones. Jones has been saying this for a long time. Right, yeah. So, you think Nolan is a secret uh, Alex Jones listener, like conspiracy theorist? Because it w- definitely wasn't mainstream at that point. Well, but but Jones wasn't just making it up out of whole cloth. I mean, he was reading headlines just because it didn't become big news like Snowden did. I have the documents. Mean it wasn't supported. I have yeah. the documents. They say it right here. They admit it. Admit it. Globalist. Well, well, one guy, you could actually go to the website, you know, and look at what he's talking about. And not not to his right. website, but like the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever. I mean, these things were reported. They didn't get as much attention as it did later on. But this is this is all when the, the war on terror began. And this is you know we got to catch the terrorists all over the place. And if you're colluding with the terrorists, then we need to know about it. So we're going to spy domestically. That was a big thing. It was whether you were spying domestically or not, and whether it was constitutional for the CIA and the NSA to spy domestically or not. And those that absolutely came out that they were. <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to jump ahead to the NSA spy machine because that's sort of later on in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where are we at now? Well, we just blew up uh, Rachel, which I was surprised that they kill her off. Um, and yeah. then disfigure Dent. And then Dent goes and um, seeks revenge against the, the police people who took him and Rachel. And... Along the way, he he also attacks. But that's, that's, um, you're getting ahead of yourself. Dent's in the hospital at first. Oh right, right. Yep. Let's do the hospital scene. So the the next scene is essentially the one that I have is where um. Is that Joker scene kills with Joker? Lau. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's exactly. Got, got the big pile he, of money. Yeah, he burns it. Lau on top. I just heard that's a that's, that's a good counterinflation thing. He's just saying screw you to the Fed. <laughs> you're doing a good job, like tying in every single scene to. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's a, uh, I'm just working on what they gave me. No, you're doing a good job, man. Thanks. Um, but what did you think about this scene, Daniel? I mean, he says, all you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminal. You think that's an anti-money kind of argument? I kind of felt like it was, but then you're also having this obviously villainous character say it. So if a villain hates money, then is money really bad? You know, mm-hmm. if you're talking about the message that's being skewed yeah. out there. Right. Maybe that can be linked to the Joker's anarcho-communistic tendencies again, 
Oh, they yeah, don't want to abolish all money, and they say, "Oh, we don't need money. We just need a we need our society. We need a better class of socialists or whatever." Yeah, the yeah, right. Man is what they need, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. But but the Joker does say after he burns his half of the money that uh, he only needs bombs and bullets and fuses or something like that. Like these are cheap, but they still cost something. So he still needs at least some money to function. Mm-hmm. And they're cheap because of the market. That's right. Thanks, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> Gave us the Joker. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of his um, taking over the rival gang just with, I don't know, just words? I mean, he, he's he's uh, he's able to turn a phrase pretty well, the Joker, in this one. Uh, I just, some something, some, something I noticed about the Joker throughout the whole movie is that he's very manipulative. Like, the whole scene, the, the way he escapes from the prison, where he, like, tells the guy, oh, how many of your friends did I kill? Like, I used mm. a knife on them. Do you want to know if they were really cowards or not? And then the um, the the scene with Dent, how he tries to make Harvey really, really angry, so he goes after other people and starts killing them. Right. Yeah, because that all ties back to getting Harvey, the White Knight, to come down to their level, right? That was the whole plot mm. of the, the movie, because everyone was looking up to Harvey Dent, and if he can make him do some terrible, terrible things, then not only do the 500 criminals that he was trying to get the RICO case on, but then all of the hope and change that he inspired uh, would be destroyed. Similar to someone else. That's like an, yeah, an anti-Obama message or something like that. <laughs> like Obama's really this awesome guy. Because this was right about that time, right? Obama's campaign yeah. at this point on hope and change. Yeah, when at least when he's um, writing this thing, right? Because... The writing always happens a couple of years prior to production. Yeah, for the I, most part, know, yeah like, I don't know if it's a uh, pro-democratic thing because, um, in, especially in Dark Knight Rises, there's there's a lot of um, anti-Marxism. Like Bane is pretty much a Marxist, and uh, since Catwoman and them, they say a lot of socialistic things. Like, how could you rich people, li- like Mr. Wayne, how could you live so large and leave, leave so little for everyone else? Hmm. And then, yeah, they uh, they say stuff like that. Yeah, the, well, the uh, economies really do think that that uh, people only have it good at the expense of the poor. They think to. wealth is a pie chart. They don't understand that you can actually produce more, <laughs> or that the yeah, pie think is it's a, bigger now. Yeah, they think it's a zero-sum game. There's only so much to go around. <laughs> or the loaf of bread, if if you will, conquest of bread. Keep playing <laughs> that one. Good job, Daniel. It's the new website, everyone. The Conquest of Bread. What's, what's that book <laughs> like about? What's what? Uh, the Conquest of Bread. All right, Robert, you take this one. It's uh, written by a guy named Peter Kropotkin. I think I want to call it. No, the, anarcho- the first anarcho-communist. I, uh, I don't know if he was the very first, but yeah, he's, he's, he's the one that the ANCOMs really point to as the true ANCOMism. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pretty much just outlines his ideal, ideal society where... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was reading it again some more recently, and it sure sounds like he's saying that there's all these coats in these in these in these department stores. There's enough for everybody, so let's just go down and take your coats. He's not mm-hmm. saying that everybody is going to like throw their coats in one pile and then draw lots and then have all the coats get redistributed that way. He's just going to take the ones from people that have a lot of coats. Ignoring the idea that, well, there's probably a reason why that guy had an incentive to make that many coats in the first place. And if all of a sudden all his coats would get stolen, he's not going to have any he's reason. He's not going to make, make any. any. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's no investments, and they, they all starve. Yeah. 
it's 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 so so short sighted, and it really depends on some kind of weird, you know, non motivated human being where mm-hmm. you invest your labor and you get nothing in return, or you get as much in return as the guy laying on his ass gets return, and then you get resentful of that guy, and I don't know. It's it's all really terrible. Um, well, later on he I promises that, that he's run the numbers, and you can accomplish just as much output working only four hours a day. And so he's trying to sell them the, uh, he, he's doing the, the, what do you call it, the honey trap, honey pot? So he's trying to say, that, follow my you know, philosophy, and you'll only have to work four hours a day instead of 10 or 12, and we'll still, we'll still have just as much, and so you'll be incentivized to be, work really hard in those four hours to, to make sure that this system all works. I think Rand really destroyed the whole socialism thing in when she's talking about the new Millennium Motor Company. If you read that part of Alice Shrugged, she, she really destroys that whole idea and the, the real motivation and incentive problem with communism. Was that 20th Century Motors, or is it... Eh, whatever it is. It okay. might be new. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's, she's talking about the motor, the automobile company, or the motor company. Right, and, and um, Gold is the first one to leave as soon as they adopt this new policy, because he's like, well, this is not going to end well. Yeah, because it's, it's mm-hmm. something like... Everybody owned everything, and everybody got paid the same, no matter how hard you worked or what what level. Like the the street, or the the guy that swept the floors at night got paid as the top engineer. The top mm, engineer is not going to work as hard anymore because you're going to get paid the same amount regardless. Yeah, so the the, the company just went to shit, <laughs> 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 which is what happens in a socialist uh, world. So I'm sorry, socialists. Yeah, so it does sound like the Joker is an ANCOM. You're burning the money. He doesn't need very much, maybe just a personal amount to buy his bullets and bombs and right. brush his teeth. <laughs> so, With bombs? Uh, well, you, personal property you can have, right? So you can brush your teeth, and that's about it. And how do you decide what is personal property versus uh, private property? Isn't it just means of production, or is that the thing called um, mutualism? Isn't mutualism where you can have personal property as long as it's not means of production yeah but did, give me a definition for what is means of production because if it's if it's a uh, pair of shoes human brain work and do work yeah there you go no one can have a brain right in the mutualist <laughs> society in the unconscious society you know what they probably achieve their new socialist man they can't have brains <laughs> yeah so they don't Move all the brains i like it zombies scooping the brains so, what, right, so who has something next um, so yeah, you said the um, so then there was the hospital scene where they blew it up, where Joker blows up the hospital. Oh, yeah. Uh, before before he talks to, or after he talks to Dent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then he kidnaps Dent. He motivates Dent to go and start killing. Right. You know, one, one fun note with the blowing up the hospital, as much fun as that could be, um, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger actually Very improvised... Fun. He improvised uh, his reaction to oh, yeah, yeah. the pause That's in the right. bombing because I guess yeah, something didn't go right. And it didn't go right. And, yeah, uh, I, yeah, uh, I heard of that. Yeah. So rather than break character, he just continued going on, and then the bomb started again. He's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they they kept that take because you know you're blowing shit up, so you kind of have to. <laughs> you're not going to rebuild it. Right. Yeah, I think they actually did demolish a hospital for that scene. 
Like an old thing, an old building they were actually going to blow up. I don't know if it was a hospital or not, but it was an actual building that they really did blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the, the little quote in this hospital scene where he's talking to Dent. I mean, first of all, he says, do I really look like a guy with a plan? And I think we've answered that question. Yes, throughout this whole movie, he's had done nothing but plan. Um, but he, I wanna, I mean, he does say a few interesting things. He says, if I say tomorrow a gangbanger or a soldier is going to die, nobody bats an eye because it's all according to the plan. But if I say one little old mayor will die, everybody loses their mind. Then he gives Dent a gun, and he says, introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order. Everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. And you know the thing about chaos, it's fair. And I tend to agree with him on that. I mean, if, if everything is chaos and there are no rules or whatever, it's kind of fair in that oh, you're probably just going to get screwed over like everybody else is going to get screwed over. Do you have any guys that have any thoughts on that, on the fairness of absolute chaos all over the place? I don't think it would be fair because we're not equal. Like, we all have different abilities, different strengths and weaknesses. Some are bigger than others. Some are stronger. Some are faster or whatever. So if you want to get into an equality of fairness, um, you know, then this really would be that dog-eat-dog, like, survival of the fittest situation. So I don't know if that would be necessarily fair. Like, if the egalitarians got their way, then... No one could be more than five feet tall, so, you know, you chop me off at the knees because we all had to be equal height. Something that I want to add about that scene is if you look closer, you can see Jerker has his thumb on the trigger. Oh, not the trigger, on the, um, what's the thing that when you pull a revolver, it clicks back? Yeah, the hammer. Hammer. he has his. Yeah, you yeah. don't know that in Australia anymore. Yeah, they don't let you have we, don't, guns. we don't have guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we had gun laws, I'd just, I'd just pull the revolver out right here and I'd show you. Yeah, they're but, down the memory hole now. Yeah, it's a shame. I should know this. I mean, this is this, this puts me to shame. But yeah, he his thumb is on the hammer. So even if Harvey did pull the trigger, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have died. Oh, oh, right, which right, right. That was another part of his plan, which just further shows how much of a plan he had. Right. Now, do you guys think that he was just taking advantage of the fact that Dent survived? Or do you think he actually had the plan to have Dent get almost blown up and only half of his face get blown up and all this crap? I mean, there's no way um, he could have possibly known all that stuff. I think he assumed well, that Batman would think. save one of them. I think, uh, like, before in the, inter- inter- uh, in the interrogation scene, he does say, he does make a comment about how Batman jumped into Rachel to save her. So I think Joker kind of knew that Batman had feelings for her, and he knew that Batman would go to save Rachel, not Dent, which is why he gave, them, he gave Batman the wrong address. Mm. And he knew that the police can't get there in time, so he thought that Rachel would die, Batman would save Harvey by accident, and Harvey would be so pissed off over losing Rachel that he can manipulate mm. him into killing people. So the disfigurement was just yeah, that was a, that was just a, extra yeah, yeah that's extra. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's exactly how it went down. And that's that's a big plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't mean to draw this into the show too much, but did you guys understand what they were talking about when they were trying to figure out which cops were were risky? Like they had a, a relative in the hospital, and mm. then Gordon's in the car with the guy whose wife was in the hospital, and he was going to kill the the lawyer dude or the accountant guy. Like it, it seemed a little fuzzy to me, like why that mattered and how they figured that out. Yeah, I, I was paying attention during that part for the most part. I mean, the guy was the you remember the the guy that was going to be killed was the guy that knew who Batman was right and he remember? was going to reveal and then Joker called in and said mm-hmm. no I don't want to have the reveal happen now so anyone who kills this guy within the next hour 
Um, Saves a hospital. Or, yeah, do this or else I will blow up a hospital. Oh, and right. So yeah. then, so then Batman finds out which cops have relatives in the hospital, sends that information to Gordon, and Gordon's like, oh, just so happens to be the guy I'm sitting with has like a wife or a mother in the hospital. So yeah, then he takes that shotgun away from the guy. Right, but they just emptied out the hospitals. So isn't she displaced anyway? Like what does having him, having that cop have the wife in the hospital with it at being risk of being blown up, what does that accomplish for Joker? Um I think the whole point of I don't think that I think that was that was another coincidence that happened because the whole point I think the whole point of blowing up the hospital and I think Joker was going to do this anyway was to kidnap Harvey and to set him free. I mean it was just by pure coincidence that there were some other people um who had relatives in the in the in, the, in that hospital and then Batman had to find a way to you know warn Gordon not to trust them so that uh, they wouldn't kill Reese. Okay. All right. That's good enough for me. Uh, shall we move on to the next scene? Or are we not done with this one? Move. Moving on. All right, so what happens uh, after the hospital blows up? Uh, Harvey goes the NSA. after the, the dirty cops. Mm-hmm. And the NSA is after that, I'm pretty sure, because that's when mm-hmm. Joker's in the building and the fairies are happening. Right. Yeah, yeah so right Harvey after, goes after some dirty cops. He goes to Maroney. And right. he shoots so the driver. But yeah, yeah, shoots the yeah, driver, he, he, does the the heads tails thing, and lets Maroney live. But he says that the driver wasn't so lucky, and so he puts the seatbelt on, and then the car flips. I I think that's putting a lot of trust into a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, but Daniel, let me ask you this question: I guess that's um, why we need to enforce seatbelts. <clears throat> seatbelts um, save lives. That's right, Shane. <laughs> there you go. Um, but guys, what do you think? Do you think? Um, uh, Two-Face, do you think he is justified, Daniel, in getting revenge on those cops who kidnapped, you know, his girlfriend, his fiance, and put her in the, the building that was going to explode? Well, they certainly wronged him, though they both claimed to not know what was going to happen, but they must have known that something bad was afoot, right? Cause, well, uh, yeah, you put him in a building with fulfilled rig to explode with all kinds of drums and bombs and stuff. Well, again, we don't we don't know that they were aware of that level. They just knew that they were dr- picking them up from one place and driving them to another place. So these cops were basically Uber. Like it could have been some of well, the other Somebody dudes. put them in. Somebody tied them up and put them in the chair and put them in amongst all the 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 drums. Right. Yeah, but Joker had all sorts of henchmen. He had some of those clown henchmen. He had um people driving vehicle henchmen. He had the in the abandoned building at the or the Right. That's true. We didn't, but we don't get to see any of that. That's what my point is. So we don't know if the right. cops just dropped him off or so, if they actually tied him up and did whatever. Yeah, so let's say that they, they really were just Uber and just dropping them off, you know, into the care of some other henchmen. And that was their whole role in it, just a part, a part of the role. Um, yeah. Should Harvey be upset with them? Absolutely. But could they be telling the truth and saying they didn't know that they were going to blow them up and disfigure him and kill her? Yeah, I I think you could make the argument that that they weren't mm. aware of that they must have known something bad was going to happen because mm. what had happened yeah. to everyone else that they working he was killing people they're working for the um for Joker or the mafia of course something yeah. bad's going to go down some shit's going to go down I mean you don't expect it all to be good 
So right. yeah, they they definitely had some kidnapping blame. somebody, taking them somewhere where they don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So they bear some of the responsibility of what happened for sure. Now, it's, mm-hmm. I'm, my question is: Is this Two Face justified in killing that those cops based on that? Mm-hmm. What do you know? Well, they weren't initiating any force against him or trying to kill him at that time. So maybe if he just brought them in, or yeah, well, what if somebody kills your 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 fiance? What if they had actually just killed them? I mean, do you mm. think he has the right to kill them in response? Uh, there's a difference between what um, you'd feel like you'd do and what is right to do. Like, what well, the right sure. thing to do is to never kill someone or execute someone. Well, Except never execute someone, but and only kill in self-defense. Because yeah. if you don't kill, you might get killed yourself, but never execute them and be against a death penalty. But I guess in Harvey's case, he'd just be so deranged and so angry that he wouldn't give a shit about any any type of principles. He just want them dead. Right. Oh, for sure. Or uh, I think it's interesting, though. I think it's interesting, though. I mean, if he's insane and he's obviously like turned into a criminal guy, but if he's actually justified in what he's doing or not, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if he's actually doing something that we would all say is perfectly morally fine, or if he's being a criminal in this case. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have I the answer myself. I'm just curious. Fight. You and think he's being a criminal, the, Daniel? Something else that I think is, even if he does, even if he's justified in these cases, what he wasn't justified in is trying to kill Gordon's son at the end. Definitely not. Definitely not. Because that's just what. Because because Gordon had cro- crooked cops in his department, and therefore mm-hmm. he's punishing him for having crooked cops in his department. Right. That was basically yeah. Two Face's argument. Because because he had crooked cops, then then he's somehow responsible for what they do, what other well, people do. Two Face be just as responsible because it's his DA, like he's part of the city government or the police, like they're all connected at the hip, well, right? He did he did give himself a chance as well, and he did flip the coin for himself. That's right, that's right. He did say he was responsible too, but uh, yeah, I think he's completely wrong. Especially to, I mean, are you kidding me? Shoot some little kid. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did that kid little ever do? Yeah. So yeah, even if even if Two Face was justified in killing um, the cops, even though they weren't initiating any force against him, he still would have been at fault. And him going out of out of his way to be a murderous vigilante would have been. Um, would have pretty much freed those 500 people he put away. Right. And yeah, he seems to not care at all right? Mm-hmm. After that, about that anymore, about his previous life's work. Once mm-hmm. he's been wronged, he just wants justice as he sees it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Daniel, you want to talk about the um, the Joker making a news broadcast and telling everybody to get out of town and that sort of thing? Yeah, so I, I was watching this again last night, and the Joker, after the hospital blows up, he makes an announcement on, on the TV. He had, he's kidnapped the reporter, and he, he makes him say, you know, anyone who does want to participate in this game of violence and quote-unquote anarchy needs to leave, but there's a surprise for the bridge and tunnel folks. And so that makes uh, everyone want to escape the city, but there's really no way out. And for whatever reason... They start loading people onto ferries, not realizing that the Joker's not an idiot. So if he's going <laughs> to remove all of your other options, why wouldn't he have also done something to the ferries? I don't understand why 
They didn't even question that. Right. So the governments are stupid. <laughs> governments are dumb. <laughs> but that brings us to the whole fairy problem, which just described real quickly is that one is full of um, you know normal normies, women and children, mm-hmm. just random commuter types, and the other one is they emptied out the prison because they figured that part of Joker's plan would be to free Release them the from prison. the prison, right? Because that was Scarecrow's mm-hmm. tactic, right? Letting them out mm-hmm. on the, mm-hmm. in Arkham, and yeah. so they wanted to get the prisoners out of there, and then of course the Joker disables the, their fairies and then gives them each a detonator and a time limit. To the other person's part. Right. And so that brings up this whole, you know, moral quandary. So what do you think on that, Robert? Well, it's an interesting thing. Um, so just to lay it all out perfectly, uh, yeah, so they each have a detonator for each other's boat, and they're told that as long as they blow up the other person's boat, then you'll live but if neither of them do it by midnight, then they both blow up. So you've got this time crunch, and there's some interesting dialogue that happens on each boat. And what Again. Joker wants to show is that you know they will eat each other as long as they're given a little push to do so. Um, but Batman's like, no, they won't, because people of Gotham believe and they're good. And... Um, the uh, the normies on the one boat they say well these crooks they've they've had their chance and so they deserve to die or they don't they deserve to die where we didn't and then mm-hmm. it, it, at the end it, it ends up being one of the one of the convicts who's like give it to me I'll do what you shouldn't have do, should have done ten minutes ago and he takes it and he throws it outside um, do you have some sort of a, a moral compunction to do it or not do it in this instance? Um, I mean, uh, you're not a moral actor, right? You're, you're under threat <laughs> of death. The moral actor in this situation is the Joker. So I can't really fault anybody if they had pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaheen, it seems like you got some things to say about this. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, acted, uh, that I thought about was the, uh, how it was like a democracy. Yeah. Yeah, the one side, like, uh, Civi, they, they vote, right? They vote yeah, they said, uh, we should just vote on this. Yeah, which is essentially what a democracy does, right? Yeah. They vote, and the majority kills. Yeah, majority just decides, what to, uh, decides to kill the other one. And But what I thought was um, pretty good was that both sides in the end decided not to kill the other ones. I mean, and the other the, uh, one thing that we brought up before is that why would you even trust the Joker? I mean, he's put bombs here, he's initiating force. How do you know he won't just blow you all up anyway? And like, right, uh, what he goes to do, right, at, at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah, think they made the right bad. choice and in the end just, tr- just choosing not to kill each other and like risking their own lives just so that the other people wouldn't be murdered. Yeah, I, I think they absolutely make the right choice. I don't, but I wouldn't necessarily fault them if they had chosen. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely not the moral actor. The fault is entirely on the Joker right. for putting them in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, and it is also a thing that that puts Batman on the clock to find the Joker, and that's why he uses his sonar NSA system. And <laughs> I know we talked about that briefly before. Are there any other sticky issues related to that 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 you guys want to bring up? about uh, wielding something this, this power just temporarily 
and then saying they'll never use it again. But of course, if they uh, use it this time. Why yeah. not next time? Something came into my mind. I thought um, in like a, in Ankapistan, if something like this, like a system like this, could exist. I say I have a foreign manufacturing company, and I tell people that there's a, there's something we can do if you if you only. If and only if you accept it and you press like the, the setting to activate it, we can make a sonar map of your surroundings. Um, and like if there's an emergency, you'd expect all the people to voluntarily give you access to the sonar from their phone. And so and if enough people just do it, then they'd let you map it onto your thing. That's yeah, I could see something like that. If there's like an amber alert or some sort of we need to find something mm. or somebody or whatever, like if all the people Jericho in does this area. Or if there's yeah. a nuclear or something, then all the people who are affected all turn on their sonars voluntarily, and so that the... Y'all get um, an alert? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm, Alright, mm-hmm. so I have two comments on that. Number one, I think there's an app called Waze, maybe? It's W-A-Z-E, mm-hmm. which essentially does that, and I think Google does this as well, where they'll take um, your your phone signal and how fast it's traveling to determine what the traffic is like, or oh, yeah, indicate yeah. green, orange, red, you know, if is really that voluntarily, or does it do that regardless? Uh, you probably have to opt in. Uh, definitely okay. with the Waze app, you need to, because you have to download it and say, I want to participate in this. But um, I'm not sure if the Google one does or not, but I would imagine that there's some regulations surrounding it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the thing is, I just thought that maybe if people would accept it, and then, like a situation like this does arrive, and the people and people voluntarily, instead of everyone just calling into report, oh, I, I think I saw the bomb here. I think I saw it there. They just turn on their sonar mode on their phone, and just maps out the area for um, the provider, the um, the manufacturer, and then they can, um, I don't know, tell the private police where to go and disarm the the nuke. Yeah. So right. what do you think yeah, about it, um, the the Amber Alert one? Because that is not voluntary. That I believe happened during the Obama watch where they can now push Amber Alerts to your phone whether you like it or not. Mm, nah, no go. No bueno. No good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. Um, anything, that's what we all object to, right, is whether it's voluntary or not. I mean, like, like Shaheen's saying, if, if this situation existed and it was completely voluntary, then I have no problem with it. But the, why we object to it in this movie, or at least why I object to it in the movie, is because it's absolutely mm-hmm. involuntary and Batman says it's beautiful and Lucius Fox says it's beautiful, unethical, and dangerous. And Batman says, I have to find the Joker. And Lucius says, at what cost? Spying on 30 million people isn't in my job description. Mm-hmm. And it, because it's absolutely mm-hmm. spying, it's absolutely an invasion of privacy. Something I can add from that. Where he says, oh, I've left this all to one man, you. Like I just thought, well, Morgan Freeman is God, isn't he? So... <laughs> it would make sense. That does make sense. All right, so I have a slightly different take on this. Now, Good. because of my distaste for governmental NSA. spying, NSA style, mm. but this is private. This is a guy making use of something that's already being voluntarily used by everyone else, their cell phone, uh, not in a way that affects them directly. Right. It and he's not collecting effect. any information about them anyway. He's just as if it's like a satellite imagery. Right. So whether he's mm. using it or not, your cell phone is operating the same way to you. The same, you know, radio frequencies are being utilized, all those other things. It's just it happened that Batman discovered an unseen, unknown um, thing that you can do with something that everyone's already doing anyway. So 
in my mind, it's not a violation in respect that he's not altering anything uh, within anyone's personal property uh, or in um, he's not initiating violence against them. He's, Wait a he's minute. utilizing something that is already happening and he's able to capture it in a certain way. So you don't think that this is something that should be disclosed? Oh, by the way, your phone is being used as a, a sonar device to be able to understand and know intimate details about you and your surroundings. Well, like, if it was a government, sure. I mean, that a government shouldn't exist. But if, if it's a private guy who's discovered how to do this, um, if he wants to commoditize it, then it'll have to become known, right, if he wants to be able to sell it as a service of some sort. How, how, is, this, how is this not a private property issue? Uh, this, he's jacking into somebody else's network against their, without their permission. Well, he's picking Hijacking up signals their, that are already their, existing. Their signals. Huh? He's picking up signals that already exist. He's like one more radio picking up a radio broadcast. He just knows he's how to... He's turning these phones into broadcasters, though. But they are broadcasters. No, this is a specific technology that he developed in the movie, that, that Lucius Fox did. This didn't already exist. This isn't something that the phones already did. He figured out a way in the movie, they say, we quote, we figured out a way to turn everybody's phone into this. He's modifying their phones. Okay, you might have changing their property. If he's changing their property, then yes. But if, if he's using like something that's already being emitted, then I think he's totally okay in doing it. But if, if he is going in and modifying their, their phones and saying, okay, if we do this little tweak, then we can read their stuff, then, yeah, then he's affected their property. But it's also a, on a weird matter of scale because, like, for each individual, that aggression is so tiny, but collectively it's a huge uh, thing that's able to be created out of it. It's like taking a cent from every single person. Right. Or, uh, you know, all those little, like, extra digits after the, after the period in a, in a number? Yeah, we just take that and put it into our, uh, into our account. You know, it's like give a penny, take a penny from office space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. So Daniel, so at the end of the day, are you are you are you are you okay with Batman spying on you in order to find the Joker? Uh, I'm okay so long as it is not something that had to be changed on my phone or anyone else's. If it's something that already exists, and he's just able to read it through some technology he's developed, um, you know, who am I to object to it? Well, if he's spying on you and he finds out some dirty things about you and. Yeah, but in Ancapistan, do you have a right to privacy? Like, is privacy a, um, a, pr a, a private property? Is that a, is that a property right, the right to privacy? Or is it like a Bill of Rights right? You know, is it a, um, what kind of right is it? Is it a natural right, or is it a contrivance of, of legal s status? I would say that certain amount of exposing what you don't want exposed is a violation of, is an aggression. There's a certain amount of your life that you don't want everybody else to know. And you have a right to not have everybody else know. Mm -hmm. That a certain amount of exposure of that counts as an aggression. Mm, I think that's a slippery slope. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. But it's, are you saying that there's no right to privacy? That everybody has a right to know everybody else's business? Everything about everybody? Not that everyone has a right to know. There's no positive right. But there's also no okay, but if I, positive right if I for, dig, for privacy. If I dig up... If I dig up every single thing about you and broadcast it everywhere, that's perfectly fine? Well, it's not to say there wouldn't be consequences, but I don't know if... Well, I mean, I mean it wouldn't count as an aggression, right? If I made a website called 
Daniel.com, and I listed every single thing that's possible to know about you. What if it affects him in a negatively way? You get a lot of hits. <laughs> I get all kinds of hits. There's all kinds of dirty stuff you're probably doing. But that's, that's perfect. That's not an aggression? No, I mean, it's a dick move, so there certainly would be consequences. Like, maybe I'd open up a Robert one, um, so that we'd have a detente, or it would affect our <laughs> relationship, or... I mean, there's a number of, of consequences that can result. Like, the non-aggression principle uh, isn't an answer to everything, right? But it is a, um, a code of conduct that is an acceptable behavior. So I think that, um, you know how they have the chip readers or the, the chip cards, like RFID-type credit cards now? Yeah. And a, a big thing that people sell now, like on Amazon, are these RFID-resistant wallets so that you can't be scanned. Um, I think it would be something like that. Like if a technology were developed that people became aware of, then they would be on their, on their onus, on their uh, choice to protect themselves, protect their privacy from their, the newly perceived or, or uh, achieved technology that, that surrounds them. So like, like the wallets that, hey, I don't want my new credit card thing or it's even on the passports, right, these uh, RFID things now. Um, people will put their passports in these covers that can't be read by anyone else. Right, so if... You know, so you take steps to improve your, your private information. Right, so if you have, I mean, are you saying that if I were to broadcast your, you know, all the information needed, your social security number, your address, your bank account numbers, all your, bank, all your passwords, all your bank passwords, everything, that wouldn't be an aggression. But then the people that actually use that information to steal from you would be the aggression. Wouldn't I be complicit in part of the aggression? I'm not mm -hmm. facil facilitating it, wouldn't I be? Uh, I think you do have a point in saying that people are entitled to at least some uh, privacy. It's just you have to justify how much, um, how much privacy someone can have and how much you can invade someone's privacy until it becomes an aggression. And I think that's up to each individual to decide how much if their privacy has been violated or not. There are certain people that live their entire lives like online and on Instagram and Twitter and just talking about everything and taking pictures of the food they eat that day. But, but isn't that them themselves broadcasting themselves? Right. As opposed to someone going uh, and putting private cameras like into the houses. and. Right, right. So there are people that live like on a TV show like Big Brother or whatever. I don't know if that's still on or whatever, but that's what it was. Mm -hmm. I never watched it entire lives. Right. There are people who live their entire lives, you know, on camera and people that want mm -hmm. to do that. But then there are other people that don't want to. So I think it's up to the individual to decide whether or not an aggression has occurred. Hmm. Daniel, what about the whole Social Security thing? I mean, am I taking part in – if I take your, all of that private information and broadcast it, am I not taking part in some sort of a crime? Well, technically, just, technically, yes, but a Social Security number wouldn't exist in, uh, in Kapistan. But a private bank account might, and a private bank, all the passwords and all that stuff might. Right. So wouldn't it be sort of up to me to protect that information from people? Like if something is private information, wouldn't it be incumbent on me to make sure that it is safe and secret? So then I could go ahead and hack it with my super hacking tools and it's not an aggression? Mm. Hmm. From one side, you can say that it's, up to the person with the bank account to have a good enough anti-hacking software which can be provided through the market. And on the other side, you can say that uh, hacking someone's bank account is an initiation of force or aggression 
on that person's property, which is their wealth in their bank account. It certainly seems like there's an aggression happening when I hack into your account and get yeah, all your definitely. account number and then broadcast that out, even if I don't actually li actually steal anything. It seems like I'm facilitating something or doing something against you that you don't want done. Like hmm. you said, it, it's it's a dick move at the very least. All oh, right, yeah. well, we need to move on with this movie, guys. All right, let's move on. I'm sure there's a, there's a big book on this somewhere. You've got it. Uh, Walter Block, Defending the Undefendable, he talks about um, the slanderer, the blackmailer. There's all sorts of um, different chapters that would be related to this question. So if that sparks your interest in, in reading those chapters, maybe you can get back at us and let us know what uh, Walter Block's take on it is. Oh, I've still got a couple of books I need to read. Um, I got a book by Peter Schiff. Uh, I ordered it online. It should come. Um, you know who Peter Schiff is, of course. Yes. Yeah. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, is it um, The Real Crash or How an Economy Grows? Which, which yeah, it's, it's the How an Economy Grows and Why It Crashes. Yeah, that's a good one. I had an illustrated version of it. Yeah. I think uh was originally created by his dad and then he and his maybe he and oh, his yeah. brother updated it. Um Erwin Schiff, was that his dad? Yeah. Who died recently and Yeah, like a year or two ago in um yeah. prison in Angola, Indiana. Yeah. And all because he didn't pay taxes. And then some people say Peter Schiff's awful, he's the son of a criminal, like no that man's not a criminal. What they did to him was criminal. Yeah, and actually I think part of the <clears throat> Excuse me. Part of the issue was not that he wasn't paying the taxes. I mean, that was a problem, of course, but that he was dis disseminating information to others, telling them how what? they could not as well. Something like that. Like mm -hmm. it was a technicality, and they got him based on still continuing to sell his book or something like that. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on details, as per usual. So mm -hmm. that'll be the other slogan: Dick move and a little fuzzy on details. That's me. <laughs> Good deal. So back in the movie, um, Batman does turn it on, and he's using and, this uh, kind of like heads-up display yeah. visor. Yeah, thing. this weird um, Google VR. It just yeah, it just made me think uh, how much innovation and um, R&D would have been put into that to be able to instantly get all that data, all that sonar of 30 million phones into just his eyes in real time. Right. Yeah, he's got like, was it Bluetooth or did it run on like 4G or 10G or, or what? <laughs> right, some direct satellite uplink speed. Bat uh, crazy. Something. The bat satellite. That's right. The battleite. Um, right. Maybe the, the pointy ears work as antennas or something. <laughs> right, so Batman uses all this data and he is able to take down... Uh, the cops who are attacking because the, the hostages have been switched with the clowns, and he's the only one that knows for some reason. He couldn't just tell Gordon that, oh, by the way, the situation is flipped. We had to have, like, an action scene. Whatever. Um, that was then, my favorite scene from the entire movie, if I, if I, if I had to pick one, because it just yeah. shows how stupid the government and the SWAT is, how, the poli how stupid the police are. And they were right. about to go there, get get kill all the innocents and then get get killed by the terrorists who are pretending to be uh, the doctors. And then Batman uh -huh. goes uh -huh. there, uh, beats up the doctors, saves the uh, hostages, and then beats the shit out of the sword as well. 
Uh, that was uh-huh. a good scene. Right. Uh, so he ends up dueling with the Joker. Joker sets some dogs on him. Yeah, and, and Peter, I have a note here that the Peter fascist would have been crazy that Batman beats the dogs. <laughs> That's a true story. They should not go um, to China. So he ends up throwing Joker out of like a window, and Joker's mm-hmm. falling to his death, and he saves him. And then they have a nice little one-to-one chat where um, the Joker says that you won't kill me out of mis- some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. And, again, I, I kind of agree with the Joker here. Um, it's perfectly fine mm-hmm. to kill the Joker if it's in self-defense of another person, which is what he's basically doing the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joker has, uh, Batman has this weird code that he doesn't have to do it and he won't do it, which, it, you know, of course, leads to further Batman adventures, right? Because, I mean, Batman really does have the best rogues gallery in all of comics. He's got the Penguin, he's got the Joker, he's got Two-Face, the Riddler, and Catwoman. I mean, he's just really cool characters. You can't just kill him off. So it kind of fits with the whole story. But um, I would agree that it is kind of a misplaced sense of self-righteousness that stops him from killing the Joker. I mean, not to say that he would be responsible for any further murders that happen, but you know Joker's going to murder people again in the future. Um, and he's about to kill someone right now. So, eh, <laughs> you know, I, mm. I, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't really fault the guy if he did kill him. Well, wouldn't wouldn't you argue that the Joker was attempting to kill Batman, or even if he wasn't intending to, he was still attacking him with like a metal pipe and had the dogs suck sick on him. So Batman, yeah, could I mean, have we died know that. Result, so he could have been defending himself with a, a deadly threat. Sure. Although we know that Joker says, "I won't kill you because you're too much fun." We think we pretty much understand that Joker loves Batman in a way. He essentially completes him. He says earlier in the movie, you complete me. He's like mini- However, uh, he still does attack him. And, well, you never know what happens in an attack. I mean, the risk of death is always there. What if he accidentally stabs him in the throat? Right, sure. As we've made Batman, Batman would be justified in murdering a lot of people. Anyone that attacks him, pretty much. Sure. But the thing about Batman is he only ever really attacks people who are uh, initiating force against others in some way. Mm-hmm. So if they try to kill Batman, they wouldn't be justified because Batman is just preventing them from initiating force. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a, a hokey thing, you know, a trope to uh, basically continue telling Batman stories till the end of time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's well, also it, a popular It was thing. actually um, in the – when comics first came, came out, uh, Batman used to just shoot people with machine guns and hang them from um, his, his bat plane, like, that's right, he did. Yeah, yeah and uh, he'd kick them in the neck and snap their necks. But yep. since he, then comics became, comics became very politically correct because everyone thought comics are bad, they're brainwashing your children, just bullshit like that. So they made Batman uh, not kill. This is the silver age of comics. Batman didn't kill, it was just politically correct. And um, the Joker didn't kill either. All he cared about was playing pranks on people. And then it wasn't until later in the, uh, a couple of years, uh, a couple of decades after where they... Um, started killing and doing sinister stuff again. But by that time, Batman's no killing rule was already established. Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. This kept it up. Mm. Yeah, it's funny that, yeah, Batman used to be in back in the golden age of comics. He was just a murderer. <laughs> he was just killed. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was actually 
I mean, I'd, I'd have to actually read the stories, but yeah, I've seen the panels of the comics where he's just, yeah, killing killing people. <laughs> so he has mm. changed quite a bit over over the years. Mm. Um, and then the last scene is really the showdown where Dent has kidnapped Gordon's family and mm-hmm. threatens to kill his son, blames Gordon for the corruption in his department. And then something, that's, yeah, yeah, something that stood out to me is when he said, we're trying to be decent men in an indecent time. Mm-hmm. which kind of goes well with us ANCAPs. We're trying to be ideological and get change, be decent people in an indecent status time. Sure. Yeah, good point. I would agree with that. Here we are saying that, you know, be moral and stuff, and everybody else is like, Psh, who cares? <laughs> Let's be pragmatic and go yeah. along with what works and whatever. Uh, tax the rich to pay for single-payer health care. Yeah, it just happens to go along with what we believe, though, is that our system actually would work better. I think we've mm. proved beyond a reasonable doubt that, you know, Austrian economic, economics uh, and leaving people to be free is... Not only is it morally correct, central. it's economically right. as well. Yeah, it's far economically it's superior. Yeah, it's philosophically and economically um, superior. Not for the ones at the top, though. They They thrive on cronyism. Absolutely right, yeah. There are those those ticks that uh, mm. will feed off the, pair, the host. Yeah, something I've noticed. They would still, they'd yeah. probably still do well in a uh, ANCAP society, right? They wouldn't just sit there helpless. Hmm. The parasites? Yeah, they couldn't be parasites any longer, so they'd have to be productive. <laughs> Not that they'd be yeah. super rich like they are, but they'd be better off than uh, the average person is today because we would all be better off, right? <laughs> right. Because competition, lower prices, high, uh, high quality. <coughs> no sanctioned violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'd still be pretty well off. I mean, you can't really compare like interpersonal uh, satisfactions across people, but you could imagine that if we all had you know, five times the wealth as far as productivity gains and technology, mm-hmm. that uh, we'd all be having it pretty good. Like we can all look back 100 years, 200 years, and realize that mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to trade places with anyone living in those times because they yeah. had dirt, dirt floors and Oof. well blubber lamps and outdoor oh. plumbing. Oh you know? no, yuck! Really terrible. And then the, the the funny thing is, all these incomes want um, post scarcity or whatever. The only way you can achieve that, or at least get close to that, is through um, Austrian economics and a free market, which is the irony. And them becoming Marxist and communist will actually take them away, make them more more inefficient, take them away from that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about satisfying desires. Capitalism mm-hmm. solves that way better than Marxism does. I mean, if you look back at the, the supermarkets in the Soviet era, I mean, you had like two different types of cheeses and one yeah, kind of you, milk, you know, one kind of bread. Yeah. And <laughs> you, have Venezuela, you have Venezuela right now. And then the socialists yeah. say Venezuela is not even real socialism. It's like, oh, just shut up. Yeah, really. It's always no true Scotsman fallacy with those guys. Like, how many times do you have to implement it before it's real? Right, but they always it, 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 say that it's it, not real capitalism, or we say it's uh, not real capitalism, which is uh, true. Because the thing, our, our, our uh, hampered capitalism with a bit of stake is still far better than their uh, imperfect socialism. And, like, like, if you look at everyone's, tw- all the communists tweeting about Venezuela, they were all praising it just a couple of years ago. 
So it's, it's always communism or socialism until it starts it starts fucking up. So when it fucks up, then it just stops being real socialism. Just like right. with uh, Bernie Sanders, it's only bank fraud if it's uh, the oh, rich yeah. people on Wall Street. Until the he millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. Right. Now he's being investigated for bank fraud or, or something along those <laughs> yeah, lines. Yeah, for the FBI, him and his family. Yeah, but but it's democratic uh, bank fraud, so it's okay. Ah, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The same way he has a democratic beach mansion. That's right. Well, he needs it. It's it's what he needs, Shaheen. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> to each according to their needs, of course. One second, guys. I'll be right back. Talk about yourself. All right. So I think we're about done here. Um, no, almost. Do you have any more notes or any other scenes you want to go back to at all before we uh, wrap everything up? I had... Um, a couple more things. One of them was that the spy gear was destroyed. Like, they actually destroyed it and got rid of it. Right. Which just which, puts Batman um, how much above government? Because you know they still have that shit going on now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's probably even mm. more enhanced than when oh, Jordan yeah. was around. It's been four or five years. But, uh, you know, even though Batman had that thing destroyed, well, he had the first one made, could certainly do it again. Mm. So it's almost a but, symbolic destruction. Mm-hmm. But then one could argue that if someone knows how to build an atomic uh, bomb or if I know how to kill someone, I still, and I, like, I'm choosing not to do it. I mean, Batman has the ability to make another one, but he's choosing not to do it. Right, he's choosing not to, but he also has shown that he's willing to use it mm-hmm. and that he's not okay. principled because he's shown that he'll break principle in extreme cases and tell himself that he's only going to do it the one time. But mm-hmm. as you that know, one time can happen over and over again. Right. Cause, okay, the what Joker, about the next time? Yeah, the next Joker. Mm. Which it, That's the question I have is, do they cover what happened to Joker? Oh, no. The, they don't mention him at all in Dark Knight Rises. No. So Out of just, respect for Heath Ledger. Yeah, he just, as Batman said, locked in a padded cell forever. Okay. And I was a little surprised they killed off Two Face like right away. Like he was Two Face for like a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, two other things that I had it was that um, Dent, Harvey Dent, um, well, he's a murderer and a madman, tried to kill a kid, uh, and then he was praised as a hero, similar to some other presidents who bombed several kids in like, Iraq or Yemen or something, and they're yeah, praised every as ever. heroes. Yeah, yeah. they had to maintain the lie, right? Because mm. he was their great white knight, like the great hope. And that is, of course, distasteful. Like, I think that, that his uh, his actions should have been probably Tell more known. Do you think, Daniel, he should have been exposed and then those guys should have been released? Yeah, well, maybe well, they could. I mean, couldn't they? Like, there's two things that I always thought. Couldn't they just blame the killings on the Joker? Or... um. And if not that, then couldn't they have still somehow kept them locked up while still saying Harvey Dent did this? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't exactly clear to me why all of a sudden, just because if Harvey Dent commits a crime, all of a sudden his past work gets completely called into question and thrown out. I mean, But then again, they did say it was because they wanted to motivate the city to make the people believe in good, yeah, which... Which, which ironically, in, at the end of Dark Knight Rises, people's symbol of good becomes Batman. Right, whereas at the end of this one, he's being hunted he's, because he's yeah. a killer, apparently. 
Which, mm. do they play into that? Because he's like running. Oh, yeah, and... yeah. Okay. Definitely. That's one of the best scenes in the next movie. Okay, now I'm going to have to watch that one. It's on my yeah, list. Yeah, maybe I'm going to have to watch that one. And we'll have I'm you have back. to do part two, part three. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, I think that pretty much wraps our movie. Um, any other notes from, from you, Robert? No, that, that does it. Uh, other than, yeah, Lucius destroys the, the thing as he walks away, types his name, and the thing blows up. And, uh, yeah, Batman takes all the fall, and, yeah, that's the end of the movie. Because he's the, the hero we need, or not the hero we deserve, or whatever they said. Just, what does that even mean? Like, I don't know, but it just sounds really cool. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, at the time, I think it was probably the best superhero movie I'd seen. Um, I think those movies are pretty, pretty stand-up. Uh, rewatching it, I mean, Ledger's performance was fantastic. It's a shame that he died from a, was it a prescription medication overdose of some kind? Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know, we've talked this movie to death. It's, But I, I would I would like to have our guest on to come back and do uh, Dark Knight Rises. Definitely. Something we could do. Yeah, yeah. So you just started with your um, your final analysis so let's bring in our, our rating system of the black and gold or the black and red. So what do you say, Robert? Uh, that's right. Uh, this is absolutely a black and gold best movie ever. Um, this was, at the time, the pinnacle of comic book movies. I mean, it's like Christopher Nolan just came in and, no, this is how you do it, guys. And, yeah, it's a darker, it's a darker Batman, but Batman's always been a dark character except for uh, Adam West Batman, which is ironically... <laughs> oh, and George Clooney. Oh, yeah, well, those, those movies don't exist. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, they're, they're not real. <laughs> that was just a figment of somebody's imagination, Joel Schumacher's imagination, and uh. Uh, I choose not to believe they exist. Um, yeah, th- uh, I didn't, I'm not a fan of um, Bale's gravel voice, but that's quibbling. I think he does a pretty dang good uh, Bruce Wayne, pretty dang good Batman. Um, he's not my favorite Batman. Uh, Kevin Conroy's voice is my favorite Batman. Oh, but right. uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is uh, the pinnacle of that. Um, but overall, yeah, really good movie, except for the you know, the few quibbles that we've mentioned throughout this episode and the previous episode. But yeah, still best movie ever. Black and gold, baby. All right, so you and your final analysis and your rating. No, I first watched this movie when I was a little kid and I, still, I didn't fully understand exactly what was going on. And like I try to watch it numerous times, but I just get too confused. The first time I actually did sit down and watch it, I was just completely blown away by just how the story fit together and how it was just a huge puzzle full of metaphors and foreshadowing that all just came together in this huge, spectacular event. So yeah, that was definitely my favorite movie that I had seen at that point, and I could argue that it still is, although I have seen a bunch of other Batman movies. And um, aside from the Joel Schumacher series... I'd say they're all pretty good, but yeah, definitely black and yellow. Daniel? All right. Well, it's going to go black and golds all around. Though, uh, I think I liked it better when I first saw it, and then when you start tearing it apart and deconstructing it, you start to see these little holes, and then they start nagging uh, at you. So now yeah. I'm going to have so much trouble watching this again. Uh, I had to watch it one and a half times to do this show, so the first time through, and then we sort of got lost in where we were during the first show, so I watched the second half of it. And yeah, there's just little things that are just hanging out there that kind of kind of bother me now. So I, I will have difficulty watching this particular one again. But 
I am excited to watch The Dark Knight Rises. I know it, it can't be nearly as good, but uh, I think it'll be interesting to, to kind of know how it resolves in the um, third act. So black and gold mm. for me as well. Excellent. So let's wrap this baby up. Thanks for listening to the actual Anarchy podcast. I've been Robert Paul Johnson. Thanks for joining us. Daniel, you want to say some closing things? Yeah, and then I'll hand the floor to uh, Shaheen. You can say whatever you want to our audience and uh, let them know you're going to come back for, for Dark Knight Rises at some point soon. But yeah, we are Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is the theactualanarchy.com. This will be slash uh, 29 this episode, the Dark Knight Ri- or Dark Knight Part 2. Um, we've got uh, Amazon links. We've got over 550 quotes now on the actualanarchy.com slash quotes. I just added a bunch of Robert Heinlein, a bunch of Ron Paul, a bunch of Ayn Rand. There's a whole bunch of stuff up there that's really, really cool. Uh, we've got the Liberty Classroom links for Tom Woods. We've just launched Conquest of Bread, and we're going to start doing refutations of that chapter by chapter. Um, we're even considering maybe doing uh, uh, like roundtable discussions about each chapter for like a half hour to 45 minutes uh, to create a video series related to that as well. So a lot of ideas percolating over here uh, from your folks at Actual Anarchy, Reed Rothbard, and Conquest of Bread. So I'm going to hand it over to Shaheen, and then we'll say goodnight. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. It was it's a great experience to be on. And I definitely look forward to coming back again next time. Fantastic. We'd love to have you. Yeah, you're excellent. So we would definitely, definitely be on board for that. So uh, with that, everyone, uh, black and gold's all around. ActualAnarchy.com slash 29. We'll see you around the bend on the next episode of the Actual Anarchy podcast. Same bat time, same bat station. Good night, folks. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do